Welcome to The Shannon Plan. This is episode 112. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined, as always, by Akash. Akash, never a dull moment with these 49ers. So even after um, the 49ers went down to the Atlanta Falcons 28-14, to in the game itself, in the first quarter, it seemed like the blue medical tent got more work than anybody. And the laundry list of injuries continued to mount for this team. But so do a lot of other things. I mean, there's always something to talk about with these guys, and we're going to get into it. So welcome. How are you doing? How's life? What's new? Doing fantastic, man. And uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night. The Warriors here in San Francisco raising another championship banner. They're fourth uh, in this era. And uh, it's cool, you know, to see another Bay Area team continuing to uh, win championships and Hopefully the 49ers can get some of that <laughs> mojo and uh, get back on track here. Yeah, man. I mean, they've been close. It, they have been right on the doorstep of winning one. And, you know, a lot of people think that they can do it again this year. But at three and three, they do have an uphill battle to go. So let's talk about that and let's review the stinker that was week six. So 49ers, they were five and a half point favorites once upon a time about 9:45 Pacific that line went to three and a half and from there it's like oh that is not good and then sure enough the game starts when it goes down the field scores on their first possession 49ers go three and out so not a great start came out flat then Jeff Wilson reaches the ball out on a third and short run trying to pick up the first down which I mean you should never reach the ball out I feel like that's taught at every level, especially near the goal line, but when you're in a pile. So he does. They get some unfortunate luck. Falcons go up 14-0. And then just based on how the 49ers offense operates, they're not really built to come from behind. And we can talk a little bit about uh, their pace stats. But 14-0, they, they fought back as, you know, that's not much of a surprise to say that they fought back. Just, you know, you have Brandon Ayuk, you have Debo Samuel, you have George Kittle. You have weapons to fight back. But eventually, uh, they just made too many mistakes. And that has become a routine for this team, whether it's drop passes, whether it's shooting themselves in the foot with penalties. We've come accustomed to the 49ers being held down by their quarterback. Ironically enough, with all of the offensive struggles, that just hasn't been the case. And everybody wants to know, like, what's wrong with the offense? Everybody's trying to point the finger on who's to blame. You know, there's there's some people that think it's you know Kyle Shanahan's fault. He's the worst coach ever. He should be fired. He's not a good play caller. Others will pin it on Jimmy no matter what. Like, the, if the 49ers lose the game, it will be on the quarterback's fault. It's, the truth is always somewhere in between. I mean, as we talked about, the drops – you cannot throw a better ball to Raymond McLeod streaking down the field over 40 yards. The ball hits his hands. He just didn't run a good route. He Even if he didn't run a good route, that's a pass. He has to catch 10 out of 10 times. Yes. <laughs> um, for those of you that can't see, gosh, is currently swimming right now. Um, Charlie Warner, he's running wide open down the seam for another easy chunk play. Ball hits him in the hands. He does not catch it. So, there's two possessions right there that the 49ers have a chance to put points on the board. That doesn't happen. And instead, they punt the ball. Later in the in the second half, these are all happening in the second half, by the way. The 49ers hit Brent Ayuk, who had a heck of a game. It was good to see the 49ers run their offense through him. 
they hit him on a 39 yarder. So Jimmy rolls out to the left, throws the ball all the way across the field, back to the right side of the field. And instead, Jake Brindle gets flagged for a holding. And I mean, those are the kind of things that just can't happen. And Brindle had three penalties on the day. You can't have your center commit three penalties. And he's been pretty good so far. But the point is, I mean, you name it, they made a mistake. 16 play drive in the fourth quarter that took over eight minutes. Second longest drive in history that didn't end up with points. Down the list, down the list, down the list. So many mistakes. So for you, when you're thinking about the 49ers offense, what is wrong? It's a question I've been asking myself and asking you and other people who watched this team pretty closely over the last few weeks. And it looked like their offense was back on track after that debacle in Denver. And against who they played, uh, the Rams and Carolina, they just got back on track. It looked like they stayed ahead of the chains. They were efficient on third down. They were good in the red zone. They were able to score points, which is an issue. Historically, they've been able to move the ball well. It was just one thing after the other, and it's just poor execution and it's execution. It's missed execution on different plays. It's not one singular player. It's a different player on a different play. It's a missed block here, a missed block there, a drop pass here, a drop pass there, a fumble, and that that stuff just adds up. You know, the the margins for winning and losing in the NFL are so slim, and the 49ers just continue to shoot themselves in the foot week in and week out. And I I think I texted you maybe during the game or after the game. They just make it so hard on themselves sometimes to move the ball on offense. Sometimes they make it look effortless. And a good example of that was the second drive where they just went boom, 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 right down the field. Uh, Brandon Ayuk screen pass, lock-in touchdown, wasn't even touched. And sometimes they make it look so difficult to move the ball. And you watch and, you know, you and I watch the All-22 weekly, and it's not necessarily – the scheme or you know getting players open it's just it's just a lack of attention to detail it's a lack of focus it's a mistake here a mistake there and that stuff just adds up really quickly and ultimately i think that falls squarely on the architect of the offense the maestro that is Kyle Shanahan ultimately you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen and week in and week out they're allowing it to happen and that's a problem and you know, especially when the defense is as banged up as it is right now, they're going to need the offense to step it up and play more than just complimentary football. And against Atlanta, a team, at least going in, we thought would be difficult, but they should have, you know, uh, won. Just just can't have that many mistakes. Can't fall, you know, down 14-0. Obviously, the mistake with the Jeff Wilson fumbles, just mind-boggling. And then you just... You just can't have the other mistakes, and it's just something different every week. Yeah, watching the 49ers offense and then watching the Warriors offense <laughs> is night and day. So the Warriors, who are currently up 30-12 to 12 in the third quarter, like that's what an explosive offense with a bunch of playmakers should look like. They make life easy. They do not make life difficult on themselves. They do not shoot themselves in the foot possession after possession everything is free everything is flowing and for whatever reason the 49ers make it as difficult as possible on themselves and part of that could be due to starting off 14 and 0 but to to make it seem like 
what happened in the Falcons game as a one-off just isn't true at all because we've seen over the course of this season alone, when the 49ers have a lead, they just sit on it. Like Kyle Shannon goes into this conservative shell. Um, I tweeted this out. Like their their pace stats are, are pretty bad. So there are only four teams who play at a slower pace in the NFL than them. So uh, 28 seconds in between plays. And when an offense is struggling, generally your play caller is going to do something to change it up. And we know that Kyle Shanahan's a run-heavy coordinator, and you know that's evidenced by their run rates compared to their pass rates, especially on early downs. People complain about run, run, pass, and it it seems like it's exaggerating, but it really does. Uh, that is what he does. That that's just how he's been calling plays. I've heard the excuses as far as hey. He was just trying to get out of Shanahan, speaking of. He was just trying to get out of Atlanta with no injuries. And that's just not how head coaches think, man. I genuinely feel like they were calling their offense, and it just so happened to be the same offense that they usually do. So when you're down, when you're behind the game script like that, it's tough to kind of flip the switch and do something completely different, something completely different that you're not used to doing so. It's not really a surprise that they, do, they, did, they did struggle to come back in this um, in this situation, but oh, it, it is frustrating. See, and part of the reason is because when at the end of the quarter, whether it's the second quarter or the fourth quarter, when they do have to hurry up, they move the ball relatively easy. But we don't we only see that you know in necessary situations, and that I think that is a problem. I just think it comes back to philosophically what the head coach and Kyle Shanahan believes, which he looks at his offense as run first, complimentary, play good defense, you know, uh, use special teams as an advantage in terms of field position, controlling clock, limiting the number of possessions per game. I feel like he views football in that light. And again, that works when you have the roster like you did in 2019. This season, that's not so much the case. You lose, you know, top running back Elijah Mitchell in week one, Ty Davis Price, the third round pick out of LSU, gone in week two or week three, I think. Um, offensive line, interior completely shuffled around. No Mike McDaniel to help you out in the run game. And, you know, you probably spent all offseason preparing for a run game with a quarterback, a mobile quarterback, you know, taking the reins of the offense and Trey Lance. He's gone in week one or week two, excuse me. And now you have to pivot, you know, mid-season. And their run game just is not efficient. I think they're 27th in EPA per play. They're bottom five in success rate. They're rushing DVOA on offense, I think it's 26th. It's just not good. All of those numbers by far are the worst um, for the 49ers since Kyle Shanahan got here. It's completely different than what it was in 2019 and 2021. Yet philosophically, he hasn't changed his mindset, right? I feel like some coaches, you know, they play to their player strengths and adjust on the fly a little bit. And it feels like Kyle Shanahan is just trying to force the issue and is like, we will just execute better, slightly better each week. And eventually we will get over the hump and we'll figure it out. And honestly, right now, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing as well as I've ever seen him in a 49ers uniform. He's been efficient throwing the ball down the field, his big time throw, which is a stat that PFF uses. I think he's at 5.1%, which is the highest in his career. So he's pushing the ball down the field. And I think they got to start taking advantage of that. I think this mindset of being a run-first offense 
And, you know, we're not just making this up. I think on neutral downs, they run 55% of the time, which is the third highest in the NFL. But their EPA, you know, rushing the ball on those plays is like 28th or 29th. But when they throw the ball in early downs, I think it's like 6th or 7th. So the advanced stats are telling you to like maybe change the game, game script a little bit. And I thought in Carolina, against Carolina and the Rams, they went to a more pass-heavy script, especially against the Rams. Yeah, so when you look at their drive stats this year compared to last year, and I don't think that they were nearly as talented last year. I don't think I thought they did a lot of we're going to give the ball to number nineteen, and he's going to bail, bail us out of a lot of situations. So last year, despite all of the perceived struggles on offense, they finished seventh in yards per drive, and that just tells us they are moving the ball. They finished 13th in points per drive. So not only are they moving the ball, they are scoring at a, an above average clip when they move the ball. This year, they are 16th in yards per drive and even worse, 21st in points per drive. So that cannot happen. And then drive success rate. How many of your drives are ending up with multiple first downs? Last year, they were 12th in drive success rate. This year, they are 23rd in drive success rate. And you would think, okay, why is that? Trent Williams isn't playing. Mike McGlinchey was banged up. But when you watch the Falcons game, the offensive line didn't necessarily perform poorly at all. So that's why it's it's kind of head-scratching to see. And it's hard to pinpoint. It is. I, I hear where you're coming from about Shanahan and adapting. And I, I feel like there is some merit to that. But at the same time, when you when you turn on like the film and you watch wide receivers running open all over the field and – there is something to that running game not getting going. How much of that is, again, defenses shrinking the field and doing everything they can to make the 49ers beat them outside of the numbers. Now Jimmy is doing that, but I don't know if Shanahan wants to be this guy who drops back. Has Jimmy dropped back over 40 times? I mean, it's pretty evident that's not what he wants to do. So um, nothing really painted that picture clearer than that 16-play drive I referenced in the fourth quarter where – on 11 of those, on 11 of Jimmy's passing attempts, uh, eight of those came like at or beyond behind the line of scrimmage. He's going to have to learn how to trust his quarterback. His quarterback has shown that he can trust him. I know it doesn't really make sense to say that coming off of a two interception performance, but I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing the offense benefit from Jimmy throw the ball down the field. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to flip it to the other, other side of the ball because Kyle Shannon was also uh, – he also called out the third down defense as well. All right, we are back. So the 49ers offense went three for eight on third down, so 37% not going to cut it. They allowed the Falcons to convert nine of their 14 third down conversions. I know that there are plenty of starters missing. There is no – nobody is arguing that still – to allow Atlanta to convert 64% of their third downs, like that just cannot happen for D'Amico Ryan's defense. And you could tell that they were just kind of getting punched in the mouth by the Falcons. The Falcons were living in third and shorter conversions. They gained over 30 yards on one third and two. On a third down near the goal line, the Kyle Pitts touchdown, he just made Samuel Womack look like an undrafted player. And... On a third and 13, and this is a play Shanahan talked about. I tweeted this out. So, D'Amico Ryan's blitzes. Dre Greenlaw comes free. He has a 
clear path to Mariota. Mariota does a good job of stepping up. And sure enough, uh, the lineman gets just enough of um, Charles Amenehu. And Mariota steps up. He escapes the rush. Not only does does he avoid a sack, he picks up a first down. So that was with just under four minutes left to go in the second quarter. Instead of getting the ball back in a tie game, 14-14, Atlanta marches down the field, chews up another three minutes on the clock, scores with a minute left in the second quarter to take a touchdown lead, and they never look back. So there were some painful third down conversions that I know uh, were very difficult for Kyle Shannon to watch from the sideline. Fred Warner was on KNBR Tuesday talking about how, you know, they have the defense has high expectations. They still have high expectations and they kind of view or this last game left a bad taste in their mouth. And no, now it's zero. Now they are zero and zero is how they view it. So uh, Patrick Mahomes coming up, it feels like this should be a good get right spot, but it's never going to be easy uh, with the chiefs. But going back to the defense real quick, in my mind, just when I was watching them, it's tough to really assess what happened because what we saw, the product on the field felt more like a preseason game. And, I mean, it was literally all backups aside from Samson Abacom, but he was in and out of the lineup too. So It honestly felt like that week three or week two preseason game at Houston where they got gashed on the ground and you're like, oh my God, is their run defense going to be bad? And then you just realize, you know, no Eric Armstead, no Javon Kinlaw in that game. They were just running backup defensive linemen. That's kind of what it felt like in this game. And, I think I started watching the defense, but it felt like Hassan Ridgeway, some of those guys were getting some good push, but the linebackers, the second-level defenders looked a little more lost against Atlanta's run game. And credit to Arthur Smith, that offensive line as well. But it, Very do you good. agree with that? It felt more like it was on linebackers and safeties and corners, less so the defensive line. This I do agree with that. This was the first game that I felt like the linebackers didn't play well. And I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I just don't think they had legs. I don't think that they had the same type of juice that they normally play with. Kyle Pitts was the first player that I've really ever seen out athlete Fred Warner in coverage. But there were times where I thought Warner was just trying to do too much, where he was trying to play other people's positions and kind of make up for the lack of starters elsewhere on the defense. And I mean, can't do that. Yeah, it's the difference of. I mean, it's not going to be like a 30-yard play, but those five sixes and sevens add up, and that's exactly how Atlanta was able to stay on the field by having, um, by not making Mariota convert. So they were they ran the ball, I think Shannon said, 40 times compared to 14 throws. On the plays where Atlanta did drop back to pass and like true passing sets, they had no shot to block the 49ers. So they do deserve credit for staying out of those obvious passing downs and, I mean, the scoreboard kind of speaks for itself. They were able to stay on the field, run the ball. But, again, it it's tough to really say, hey, the defense is no good, knowing that there are numerous starters missing. They're probably going to get a lot of those guys back. Maybe not this week, but uh, soon enough. So, with that in mind, let's turn Andrews. the page to – yeah. So, Trent Williams, probably going to be back. That would be nice. Um, Nick Bosa. Kyle Shannon said they were, that was more of a precautionary thing to keep him out. So I totally get that. And if they were to, I don't want to say punt the Chiefs game because you can't punt any game, especially now that you're three and three. But if they were, if they felt like they had to sit, whether it's uh, Mooney Ward, Nick Bosa, Jace Fred, whoever it may be, 
out, continue to sit them out because um, the Rams are on deck. I would totally understand that. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle this week, how they, if they do feel like it is a quote unquote must win, or if they just want to build up some momentum with a couple games to go before the bye week. Uh, how do, who do you think we see back? And do you think they, they hold out anybody for an extra week or so? I think they get a couple guys back. I think they get Trent Williams back. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He was jogging and running again in the Carolina game right before the game during warmups. It looks like he's just a little bit healthier. I think he was probably, you know, um, one of those players where the 49ers are like, okay, let's give him an extra week. It's the Atlanta Falcons. We think we can kind of manage and get by with our roster and our depth. Unfortunately, that plan backfired, but now you're playing the Chiefs. You're three and three. I feel like this is a spot where you'd be like, okay, Trent Williams, can we get you to play here? Um, especially if Mike McGlinchey can't go, right? I know Kyle Shanahan said day to day with, I think it was like a calf or a knee, but if he can't go, you desperately need uh, Trent Williams to go. And so, I think we see, I think we see seventy one on the left side. I think Nick Bosa's back again. I feel like with the turf in Atlanta, opponent situation fact that they were three and two i feel like they just hold out bosa for another week not the case anymore i think he's back mooney ward i think is kind of the same thing i feel like he's more amped up i saw him tweet after the game something about you know not letting any chiefs fans uh, at levi's this week playing his former team i know he's gonna be fired up there's any chance that he missed the chiefs game knowing that his former team and uh i think having him back would just be huge right you know having to put diamond lenore and sam womack uh, mm. on the outside towards the end of that game was just brutal. And I think having at least just one of those spots with Winnie Ward putting Demo on the other side and then Dante Johnson in the slot just gives you a better chance. So I think we see those three guys back. Hopefully Hufanga is out of the concussion protocol. Um, he came in Monday with some symptoms, so we'll see We'll see uh, where he's at. But um, yeah, I think I just think it's those guys. Eric Armstead, probably not until after the bye. Javon Kinlaw on IR, he's going to miss four weeks. Uh, Jimmy Ward, probably not for another couple weeks, even with a club on his hand. Kyle Shanahan didn't sound super confident about that. Uh, they got Ty Davis Price back last week, uh, even though he only played one snap to be a fullback, which was weird. So they've got some guys back. I, they're going to be healthier than they were last week. And uh, I think it's going to matter. I think it's a big-time game. They are, what, two-and-a-half-point dogs, right? Did it get bet up to three? Um, Let me see, actually. I hope it does. It's the three. I will be. It is at three right now. Um, the total on the game is three. So that is Vegas telling you that they think the Chiefs are significantly better than the 49ers, even though it is a home game. It is at Levi Stadium. The Chiefs are coming off a tough loss, just like the 49ers are. So I do wonder what's going to happen. I think this makes for a fascinating game. How this game is not a primetime game is beyond me. The Absolutely. Steelers and Dolphins are a Sunday night game. The Bears and Patriots are the Monday night game. So whoever the schedule makers are clearly trolling us. But we we are in for a gym of a game. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's I mean, it's what the Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl again. Uh, and this time, this time we're probably gonna get better versions of each team. And I know Tyreek Hill's not there, but it's still Patrick Mahomes. He's still I know Josh Allen makes a lot of plays, but I'm I'm still gonna go Patrick Mahomes. And I, I don't think that's um I don't think you get much pushback on that. The what's going to be interesting is how Shanahan attacks a blitz dominant defense like the Chiefs. So Steve 
Steve Spagnola will blitz you off the bus. He is probably even more aggressive than people are used to watching D'Amico Ryan's on third down. So will Shanahan have an answer for that? I will we'll see, like, will we see more Ty Davis Price? Because you talked about the running game on offense. It's It seems like if they're not getting these explosives, so before this last game against the Falcons, Jeff Wilson had a 30-yard, at least a 30-yard rush in each of the previous three games. That didn't happen. So naturally, their rushing stats take a dive. Will Ty Davis-Price give them more juice? Well, I mean, I'm. it's not like the Chiefs are dominant um, defensively. So I do think when we're talking about that side of the ball, it is a good get-right spot. But at the same time, they're going to have to score and score in bunches. I don't think that they're going to be able to hold the Chiefs in the low teens, uh, low or sorry, high teens, low 20s, just like the Bills were. And I imagine Kyle Shannon knows that. So that might take us to a fourth down discussion. <laughs> this guy, we're talking about pace. Uh, stealing possessions is one way to beat the Chiefs. Do you think we see a different version of Shanahan, the same Shanahan who went for it on fourth and eight, nine, whatever it was? Or are we going to see a more conservative guy who's going to kick the field goal from the 28-yard line or let's say 38-yard line on fourth and three? I'm hoping we can bully him into going for some more fourth downs. But uh, I, I think so. I think especially when you pay, play a, a potent offense like the Chiefs, um, even if they aren't quite the same level of potent they were the past few years with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey still being Travis Kelsey, um, you got to find ways to steal possessions. And especially with the 49ers offense being so up and down and being so high variance, right? They just look so different drive to drive. You have to find a way to steal possessions. This is this is the type of game where being aggressive on fourth down, um, you know, being aggressive in the red zone, you know, not settling for field goals. Um, this is the type of game where you try to pull plays out of your ass. And I think Kyle Shanahan historically, and we've been watching him for a long time now, you don't get much of that. You don't get a lot of um uh, you know, uh, like a counter here or a counter there, um, something unexpected. It just, it feels very much the same week in and week out and just trying to perfect that. And I hope we just get a little something different. Big game. They're three and three. They can't fall to three and four. They fall to three and four. And then all of a sudden you're going to Los Angeles, who's on a bye right now. They're three and three. You've beat them already. But if they if they beat you, now they've got a game on you. That division tiebreaker is essentially wiped out. And so you're heading into the bye then at three and five. And all of a sudden, your season's on the lifeline again. So big game, big game. Because if you just look at the NFC playoff picture, and it's early, the NFC East has, you know, three, what, five and one teams, or two, right. six and oh team, a five and one team, and a four and two team. And so it feels like they're getting a couple of wild card teams in. And I feel like the NFC West is only going to have one playoff team. It's probably just going to be the division winner. And so these divisional games mean a lot. The Chiefs game in the grand scheme of things is a non-conference game. So we'll see how they play it in terms of injuries. But I just feel like they need to get right, find some momentum here, get back on track, get the positive mojo going in the building before you go down to L.A. Yeah, I think that there there's some, uh, some real confidence um, that can come from this from beating the Chiefs. So I mentioned having to steal possessions. The Chiefs are averaging 2.87 points per drive. 
That is first in the NFL by a long shot. I said the 49ers are averaging 1.71. So you see the difference there, almost another point per drive. League average is 1.96. So they're well above. I mean, if you just go down the line, Chiefs are first in offensive drive success rate. So the 49ers will have to score points. The good news is they should be able to. I mentioned Steve Spagnuolo just being uber aggressive defensively. Chiefs are near the bottom in just about every per drive stat defensively. So the ta- there it'll be there for the taking. And I'm just fascinated to see how aggressive Kyle Shannon is. Is he going to come out letting Jimmy toss the ball around? Again, the that way that Brandon, yeah, the way that Brandon Ayuk played last week should give him confidence not only in Jimmy, but the offense that they can run the offense through Brandon Ayuk. He is truly their number one receiver. And, and that's not a shot at Debo Sam. I, mean, I think you know, obviously Debo's great. We see Debo break multiple tackles seemingly every time he touches the ball. But for whatever reason, it seems like the offer the offense operates a little smoother when it runs through Ayuk. And then obviously you have those different types of ways that you can use Debo and of course Kittle. So it'll be a fascinating game. Um before we get out of here, what do you th- what's your score prediction? What do you think? Co- Tell me this. Yeah. What do you think happens? Will the offense get it together against Kansas City and who is going to be the difference maker for the 49ers we've talked about this now for about two years and we said it on the pod two week three weeks ago before they played the Rams Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo when their backs are against the wall coming off of a loss 12 and 3 now in their time together and I think that's when they're at their best when everyone's counting them out when people in the media are questioning things about their team or their offense or their ceiling or where they're going, what their identity is, blah, 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 blah. They usually get one of these get right games. And I was talking to David Lombardi earlier today, and we were making the parallel to last year's Arizona game. And it kind of felt like that against Atlanta. They just came out flat. They got punched in the mouth and never really responded. Well, guess what the next game was last year? It was the Monday Night Football Rams game at Levi's Stadium, and they got right. And it felt like they just it just changed their season around. And it kind of feels like that again. Big big opponent at home, Levi's Stadium. They've got the 2012 uh, reunion, so they're going to have a ton of Niners legends there. Jim Harbaugh, bunch of players from that team. I know they're not going to want to disappoint in front of those guys. And the home crowd is going to be rocking, so... I think the Niners come out and take care of business. I think it's going to be closer, of course. I think it's going to be higher scoring. I think the 49ers offense is finally going to put some points on the board. I think they win like 30-27. Mm, that would be very high scoring. So I do think it is a good a good get-right situation for them. Get to go back home off a two-week stay on the East Coast. Things just feel different when this team's at home. And then Kyle Shannon as an underdog is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I think it's that us against the world mentality, which doesn't make sense because they're usually very, very good to begin with. But I mean, pro athletes, they always can use that type of motivation. So I think the X factor defensively, and he's in the concussion protocol as we're recording this right now, but I think Tal Nofunga will end up playing and him, he's not going to be matched up one-on-one with uh, Travis Kelsey, but I think him just being able to take over that intermediate portion of the field and maybe guess right against one of those cell routes, which is a route where the tight end is running about 10 yards up. Then he runs to the corner like a cell and jumping. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Into or in front of 
Travis Kelsey for a turnover, just as we kind of saw uh, the Bills safety do on the final play of the game. So the, they will have opportunities. They're going to have to get after Mahomes. There's no doubt about it. And getting their balls back will go a long way in doing that. On offense, I, it's weird to say. I think it's going to be Daniel Brunskill. So if there's no Mike McGlinchey, Brunskill had to come in off the bench, just cold and play right tackle. He was credited for allowing four pressures. I don't really blame him for that. This is one of the hardest things to do. So he hasn't played right tackle since McGlinchey went down the last time, ironically enough, in 2019. So that was a long, long time ago. I think if McGlinchey is able to hold up against a guy like Chris Jones when he goes out wide or um, George Carlos, Frank Clark. Yeah, they have bodies. There's no doubt about it. The Chiefs are very good up front. So Brunskill can hold it down. They've been doing a fine job of giving Jimmy time. Jimmy obviously has been doing a good job of avoiding sacks as well. So that's what it's going to come down to. Can Brunskill hold his own one-on-one? And then can an X-Factor, one of the underrated, or sorry, lesser known members of the secondary, be able to get their hands on a pass and hold – the Chiefs are going to move the ball. There's no doubt about that. Will they be able to keep them out of the end zone and not, you know, convert at a crazy clip on third downs like they have been all season? So it'll be a really fun matchup. There's a lot of little battles in the game, the game in the game. So my prediction is going to be a little lower. So I think it's going to be – 27 23 like that would be best case scenario for the 49ers i do think they win i the chiefs just traveling west coast i don't there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that lead me to believe the 49ers will win this game i mean health plays a big part of that having your best players back in trent williams and nick bosa will go a long way for your team being better and then with when bosa's on the field now you know, Samson Ebicom is giving getting one-on-ones. Charles Omenihu is getting one-on-ones. Everybody is, you know, every, they give Bosa so much attention that he makes everybody else better. I think that was a little under the radar that the Falcons didn't have to worry about last year. And the Chiefs, we know they're not going to line up and run the ball 40 times like the Falcons did. So that is advantage 49ers as well. And I know that is tough to say when it's you're going against Patrick Mahomes, but still, um, it, it just kind of favors what the 49ers and how the 49ers want to play. So thank you for listening. That'll do it for us. Hopefully we are back recapping a 49ers victory. It's time to get a winning streak going, and there's no better team to do that against the Chiefs and then come back next week against the Rams to try to put them in the rearview mirror of the NFC West. You can follow me on Twitter at KP underscore show. Akash, yourself. You can find me at Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Appreciate everyone for listening. It's going to be a hell of a two-game stretch. Chiefs, Rams, then the bye. Three and three team. Pivotal time for the 49ers in their season. I think we're going to look back at the end of the season and this two-game stretch is going to either you know, help launch them into a playoff run or it might be the reason that they miss out. So cannot wait to break it down with you next Wednesday on the Shannon Plan. Until then, go Niners.